Welcome back to I Love Basketball on the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. And for those of you who listen to this show on a daily basis, yes, this is the third time this week you've heard me. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and for those of you who don't listen to the show on a regular basis, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And rate and review. We really appreciate it. Today on I Love Basketball, we have a first-time guest, even though this is his first time on the show, he is a familiar voice to the Silver Screen and Roll community. It's the Talon Horton Tucker Whisperer, Alex Regla. Alex, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on and uh, excited to be here for sure. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, so first things first, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday, and that means that it's the NBA All-Star Voting Return Day. So big news today. Alex Caruso, sixth among Western Conference guards. <laughs> you think he's going to make it into the starters, Alex? I hope so. I, I have no idea what's going on. Like, <laughs> I am surprised he's sixth. Um, it was kind of just funny last week to see him, you know, crack the top 10. But mm-hmm. to see him get, you know, inching closer to closer to guys like Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry, uh, things are getting a little out of control. But it's it's pretty funny. Like, Twitter's melting down as we speak, I bet. So, um I'm I'm all for it. Let's let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see the problem, but uh, <laughs> that's a pretty big gap to clear to get to the top two. I mean, geez, Luca and James Harden have set quite the bar. Uh, I think there's like a 1.6 million gap between James Harden and Damian Lillard for the two and three spots. So I'm assuming Alex Caruso could at best peak at the number third guard, which would be freaking hilarious wow. if you topped <laughs> Damian Lillard and Stephen Curry. <laughs> I mean, if there's any player who can do it, it's Caruso, right? And this fan base will definitely vote him in if, if every chance they get. But yeah, it's it's insane. Like, I I don't know if anyone expected this. So I know last week, uh, Anthony Davis said he was not satisfied with merely the four of them. And by four, I mean uh, two stars, Alex Caruso and Dwight Howard being on the top 10 voting at position. But... He wanted more Lakers, you know, the whole team to get voted in. That has not yet happened. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that's not going to happen. <laughs> but Dwight's still in at number 10 among the front court. And perhaps more importantly, LeBron James has retaken the overall lead. So that means we're back in the rightful territory of LeBron and Giannis being all-star captains. Um, I haven't really kept track of in terms of how they're doing it this year. Are they picking teams again? Like, are they picking their own teams? Yeah, I think I think the plan is to have that draft uh, again on TNT. Okay, that because that was fun. Like, I, if they do that, I'm, I'll definitely check in on that and wonder if LeBron ends up picking. Well, I don't know. Is there anyone they can tamper with this year? I don't know. Like, what his mindset is with this team. Brandon Ingram is a free agent. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be funny if LeBron James picked Brandon Ingram in an All Star draft? God. That would be what great. <laughs> I will say, yeah, the the draft was really fun to watch last year. I think it gave us that just lovely moment of Giannis asking if it was tampering <laughs> just everything LeBron James did yeah like I'm, I'm totally in favor of just them trying more fun things out and last I think last year was a great I thought the experiment worked like that TNT special was really fun um 
yeah, like I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't know who LeBron picks or, or whatever, but I, you know what, I'm, I'm all for this type of stuff, and I hope they kind of try to be more, they experiment with more fun stuff, like for the All Star Weekend, and throw in like one v one games, or I don't know, just do something a little out of the box. So other than the actual All-Star game, I don't think the Lakers are probably going to get... Oh, no, Dwight Howard's going to be in the slam dunk contest, right? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Some of my very best All-Star memories are tied up in Dwight Howard being the slam dunk contest, but that was 12 years ago. And I just can't imagine that this current iteration of Dwight Howard has the hops necessary to compete in a slam dunk contest. And I know he's in great shape. Like, he's in mm-hmm. tremendous shape compared to where he was at. And I'm not trying to be funny or anything. I just hope he doesn't hurt his back. Like, like I, I really want him to be healthy for the long run. And I'm mm-hmm. really excited that he's been this healthy this long. No back issues. He, he looks great. But these types of things sometimes, like in baseball, a lot of players who participate like in home run derbies. Home run derby, yeah. Yeah, it messes up their swing, like, for the rest of the year. I don't want Dwight to like mess up his athleticism, how crazy that sounds, but I just want him to kind of continue the pace he's at. And I hope kind of getting this extra exposure and the slam dunk contest and him trying to do something crazy doesn't mess with that. Yeah, I I worry about Dwight just leaning too hard into his old Dwight tendencies, you know. It's uh it wasn't my favorite thing to hear when I found out Dwight was gonna be in the slam dunk contest. Let's just put it that way. I mean the only other name that's been announced was Derek Jones Jr. And like that guy could probably jump over Dwight like right now. <laughs> yeah, I just hope he doesn't do anything like like you said, too crazy or get with this extra spotlight him kind of retread back to those old Dwight ways. I think Tom Ziller really wrote a really good piece on that in his newsletter mm-hmm. about like Dwight's kind of had the perfect Dwight season because he hasn't done any Dwight stuff and this is kind of him right getting that extra spotlight and him getting that chance to return to that that person that we all kind of were nervous about when the Lakers signed him but <laughs> I, I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt like he's proved everyone wrong so far and maybe he has fun with it and does something cool gets Caruso involved somehow I don't know but I, I, I'm for it and unless it you know causes some type of negative trickle down effect or whatever yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, if I'm Alex Caruso, there's no way I'm spending that weekend in Chicago. I don't care how many of my teammates are in the dunk contest or in the all-star game. I'm getting out of the country or at least going south for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Caruso seems like a pretty good teammate. Maybe he will help Dwight out. Are you surprised Caruso didn't get like asked? Like, I'm not sure if he did get asked and rejected it, but I feel like he, like, I'm surprised Dwight over Caruso was a thing that happened. Yeah, I guess... Uh, the NBA is just sort of leaning into that redemption arc, and they know mm-hmm. that Dwight Howard can put on a good show in the dunk contest. Whereas, uh, you know, Caruso is great game dunker. I don't know if he has the creativity. Like, I've never seen any dunks of Caruso's that were great, like in the open court. It's great when he's like dunking on somebody, you know? That's a good point. And you don't want him to kind of have, who was it, Shannon Brown? I forgot who it was who just completely, yeah, Shannon Brown. Yeah, who just completely whiffed his uh his entry there but yeah it's a good point i was about to say like no lakers have really done well in the slam dunk contest yeah. since kobe but I, I think that's right actually because larry nance jr had been traded by the time he competed in the dunk contest right yep yeah so it was supposed to be a laker and then and it was still in la right yeah it was a little awkward yeah. <laughs> a little awkward yeah yeah 
Yeah, I don't I don't think the the Lakers in the slam dunk contest mix all that well, but yeah, suffice it to say, I don't think any Lakers are getting invited to the three-point shootout. Um, <laughs> I would hope the not. The Rising Stars Challenge is probably out of our purview. Um, yeah, so we've got LeBron James leading all vote getters, Anthony Davis second place in the front court, and Dwight Howard in the dunk contest. That'll be the Laker representation. It's pretty good. We won a lot of years without an all-star. Oh, I'm happy. As long as we have one, that's all I care about. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of that Rising Stars Challenge, uh, the only Laker who's technically even eligible for that would be Talon Horton Tucker. And he's played, what, a grand total of like a minute and a half for the big team this year? I think it was five minutes last I checked. Five minutes? Okay. I only remember that one sequence that he had at like it was garbage time of one game and he had this, everyone was like imploring him to shoot and instead he threw this beautiful pass to the corner to Jared Dudley. Mm -hmm ended up making his first two-point basket of the season. It was a lovely moment. Um, he made the right play, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think his first game, he that first like minute, he tried this crazy step back or something, and then mm-hmm. I'm sure the coach maybe pulled him aside, I, I bet. But yeah, and then he made the wonderful play to, to Dudley. So yeah, it kind of showed a little of those skills that fans are really excited about. Yeah, so I mean, one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on the show today is because you just wrote an excellent, excellent feature on Talon Horton Tucker, which if you haven't read, I suggest you pause this podcast, go to silverscreenworld.com and read Alex's piece on THG. Um, because, I mean, he's he's a Lakers rookie, and yet I feel like I know nothing about him. Because, like we said, I according to Basketball Reference, he's played five minutes all season, right? And, I mean, that that's all garbage time, right? Like, I, I don't know anything about this guy. For a Lakers team that has, like, its lifeblood has been rookies and young players for essentially most of this decade. It's so strange that we haven't really heard from him at all. He just sort of takes up a roster spot and gets marginal more use out of it than DeMarcus Cousins. Um, So I'm really glad you wrote about him. And my question for you is, like, what was it that you were hoping to learn about him when you decided to write this feature? Yeah, I think you actually kind of hit it on the head there where this team is so good and it's kind of weird to have like a rookie on the team because we know he's not going to play. We know mm-hmm. he might even be here by, you know, in a year or two, he might get traded like they trade every other young player. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to get his mindset about how he's kind of approaching this year, knowing that the team he's on is probably going to be at least a playoff team, if not go to the finals and know that he's probably not going to get much run with, with them this year. He's going to be in South Bay. He's going to be in the G League. He's going to be at practices at best and I just wanted to get an idea and kind of a look inside where his thinking was in terms of he made the NBA this was his dream his mother was a huge Laker fan he gets drafted to the Lakers he has the same agency as LeBron AD KCP and yet he's not gonna really play with those guys this year so I thought it was a really kind of interesting dynamic he has this year in terms of where he currently is and he gets you know, what he wanted, he gets drafted and everything like that, like I said, but Mm -hmm. he's not going to play. He's not going to be an NBA player this year. So I just wanted to learn more about that and how he felt about, you know, that, that fact. Right. And you obviously follow South Bay a little bit more closely than I think most of us do. Uh, I can't say that I've watched more, more of THG than just like his highlights that Mm -hmm. they post on Twitter. Uh, But he's got like this just insane set of measurables like i think the minute he came into the game the first time like you just notice his arms extend like beyond his shorts 
very strange build that he has. <laughs> um, and I, uh, I was really actually impressed with the way you like described, you know, his sort of physical makeup in that piece. But I, the one thing that really stuck out to me actually is you kind of brought it up is uh, the history that his family has with the Lakers, right? Like his mom was a big Kobe fan. Uh, did he just sort of bring that up unprompted or like, did you ask him if he had any background being a Laker fan growing up? Well, I, yeah, no, I asked him about that because I remember when he got drafted, we kind of got like a few videos here and there after that. Like really, yeah. we ever since he got drafted, like you said, we really haven't heard much about him in terms of his story or in terms of why they drafted him. Like even like Isaac Bonga, I remember we got a few articles on Bonga and mm-hmm. a backstory to how that went into to them drafting him. Like the Lakers didn't even work Taylor Horn Tucker out. They didn't even meet with him at the combine. It was almost just not a blind pick, but it was almost a kind of suspicious pick that because of the, they share the same agency and everything like right. that. But um, no, I, I remember watching a video about him talking about his mom. And I think we got a picture tweeted out from the Lakers site or South Bay with him in a, you know, a Kobe uniform or something like that, Kobe jersey. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, asked him about how his mom felt about him getting drafted to the Lakers. And then he kind of veered off into the story about the shoes he was actually wearing that day <laughs> as I interviewed him. And then just kind of talking about his mom in general and how he felt on draft night when he got picked up by the Lakers. So I, I was kind of lucky I asked that question. He helped me out by segueing into his shoes and stuff like that. So it just really lined out perfectly. Yeah, I don't want to give away too many details from your story because, again, I feel like everybody should read it. But I will say the funniest sentence to me was uh, when you mentioned the fact that he's represented by Clutch and then it says the same agency that represents Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Anthony <laughs> LeBron James. And it's like, why is KCP first in this sentence? You know what? I, I was going to put him last and I, I couldn't figure <laughs> that That was on me. Either me or Harris <laughs> messed that up. But um, I was like, it, do I put more emphasis on KCP being last if he's the last name or is it first? <laughs> I wasn't going to include him at all, but I thought showing that there is like more than two Lakers on the team covered by uh, uh, Clutch. But that... That was probably on me. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the silver screen rule commenters get very upset when you fail to include KCP in these discussions. So I think you did the right thing by putting his name in that sentence. Uh, I know one time I, I referred to Kyle Kuzma as the longest tenured Laker, and a bunch of people got up on me like, this is why KCP, you know, doesn't feel loved by the Laker fan base because he's been on the team as long as Kuzma. And it's like, I mean, technically, they traded for Kuzma first, <laughs> but... I mean, is Fine. there a bigger redemption story than KCP this year? I know we talk about Dwight, but people yeah. have really come come along with KCP as well. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, and just one more thing about the, the THT story. So uh, I thought like the last thing that really stuck out to me was the way that the guys on the, the parent team, like the the actual Lakers, how they they sort of work hard to keep him involved in their their locker room, you know, even though he's not with them all the time, like they have a group text and, you know, there's other things that you wrote about. Uh, did, did THG bring that stuff up or? Uh, I asked him about it. He was kind of mm-hmm. broad about what exactly they do. He, he did mention that they would pull him aside during practices and stuff. I don't, I don't think I put this in the article because some other quotes got in there, but yeah. he would, he said that they would tell him like, you're going to be all right. You know, I just keep working. We like what you, you know, what we're seeing stuff like that. So they've been, really supportive and i think that's really important for a rookie knowing that he's not going to play this year but that he has the star players kind of like seal of approval and that they like him and again it doesn't hurt that they have the same agent 
or same agency. So I think that mm-hmm. also has a common tie. And then AD knew him from Chicago. So another kind of bonding thing there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's just in a weird, weird kind of spot here. And mm-hmm. I'm really curious exactly how they plan to use him, if they plan to use him at all going forward. So I thought this was a perfect time. I, I really wanted to get this done before the trade deadline. I'm not saying that he's yeah. going to get traded or anything, <laughs> but I have no idea what his role is on this team going forward. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, like the the media constantly refers to Kyle Kuzma as like really the only young asset that the Lakers have, but THC's kind of been shown off in the G League recently, hasn't he? Like, and he's only 19 years old. That's crazy. 19 years old. Yeah, that's like insane. He just turned 19 in uh, November. Yeah. So, he's, Yeah, I'm looking at his birthday. He's literally more than 10 years younger than me. That's absurd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I hope just like from a selfish fan perspective that he doesn't get traded before he has a chance to show anything. Um, like even Sfima Kylik had a little more playing time before the Lakers shipped him off. Um, but yeah, that's that, that makes sense that you'd want to write this before the trade deadline because – you never know with a team that's competing for a title. Yeah, for sure. And then even we saw like guys like Mo and Bonga and other guys who got shipped out before they got a chance to play that they showed that, you know what, they can at least be contribute on a team, not great players. But mm-hmm. I wonder if that changes the Lakers' mindset, seeing how some of the guys they traded away have actually performed pretty well. Like they saw Sfi light them up the other day when they played Detroit. Yeah. So I'm not sure how, I know they're in a win now mode and, Andy one calls and they ask for THT in a trade that they're probably not going to rebuff that or be too hold on to him too closely or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I hope, like you said, selfishly, I do hope that they keep him around because he is like the last kind of, he is the only guy on the team who's kind of like this prospect and for a team who's kind of had these prospects for years and us kind of holding out hope that there could be great players one day. We don't really have that anymore on a wind down type of team. So I hope we at least have like one of those players on the end of the bench who are like, hey, maybe he could turn into something. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So we're going to take a quick break and then talk about the Lakers' next game against Dallas. Okay, so uh, the Lakers finally blew out a team this week. Uh, the New York Knicks, they beat them by 30. And yet, even though they managed to get LeBron James some rest, uh, Anthony Davis fell pretty hard and suffered what they were terming a sacral contusion when he left the game. He is traveling with the team on their road trip to Dallas and Oklahoma City, but he's listed as questionable against Dallas. Alex, who do you think steps up, like even just into the starting lineup, if Anthony Davis is unable to play? I'm guessing Kyle Kuzma. Like, I think this is actually Kyle Kuzma's chance to kind of show the team, like, hey, you better not trade me. And I think the time, I mean, it's horrible for AD and the team. Like, we don't want to see that guy get hurt at all. But mm-hmm. for Kuzma himself, I think this is like a golden chance to show, like, hey, I am this player who I claim to be, and I am, like, I'm going to warrant, I, I, I deserve this playing time, and I deserve to be a key guy on this team. And if I, I'm given this chance, I can show that. So I would imagine that Kuzma gets inserted there and kind of plays next to uh, McGee and LeBron. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they keep Kuzma on the bench, but. I think this is his shot to show, hey, I can step up when you need me to, and I can put up more than eight points a game Like if I'm given the chance. Yeah, I mean, the, the Kuzma, AD, LeBron lineups have been really good this season. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like that's something that gets kind of overlooked when people say that Kuzma hasn't been a good fit on the Lakers because I think 80 at the five is a lineup that the Lakers will have to turn to a lot in the playoffs. And if Kuzma excels in those lineups, then the fact that he struggles, you know, in five out bench lineups is a lot less material to me. Uh, no, that, yeah, I, that's a great yeah. point. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. And then, so I know, I think, I think the last time that the Lakers played without AD when I was in Indiana, Jared Dudley started for him, right? Yeah. Wait, did Kuz, was Kuz available? I, I'm not. Kuz might have been out. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't remember. I, I th- yeah, I think Kuz actually was out for something. Mm-hmm. Oh, was that maybe his eye injury? I think he had. Yeah, that was like that that Bruce Bell that he was out on that East Coast road swing. He missed like five games or so, right? I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Kuzma makes the most sense uh, in that starting lineup. And I, I agree with what you said. It's it's sucky, sucky timing, but like Kuzma, it's kind of starting to show a little sign that he may not be okay with being in trade rumors. And we saw some of that last season too, around this time of year. So if the Lakers can give him more of an opportunity and if he can take advantage of that opportunity, it might not be such a terrible thing. No, Uh, also I think the Mavericks are missing Kristaps Porzingis again tomorrow or for listening to this on Friday, they're missing him for the Lakers game tonight. (laughs) So that's, Bit of a blessing for the Lakers as well, because I don't like the idea of Kuzma having to guard KP in the slightest. No, definitely not. Um, but yeah, like you said, I I think Kuz has been given like he he deserves some criticism for how he's played for sure. But I think there are mm-hmm. a lot of there's missing context in terms of how he's played and the guys he plays with off the bench. Like like I know when you play with Ron, like we talk about Rondo a lot, so I don't want to yeah. bring him up just to bash on him anymore. But it does make things difficult for a guy like Kuz who moves so well off the ball and it, but also needs ball a few times, you know, for himself to, to make plays and just to, to get loose and stuff like that. But maybe him playing more with LeBron, like I don't think he's played a lot with LeBron this year compared to like last mm-hmm. year where he really thrived cutting and getting these off ball chances because of Le- LeBron's gravity. And I think he could put up like look a lot better next to LeBron in a starting lineup than he would next to Rondo off the bench or something like that. So again, I think this is good for, him and the Lakers like if they do want to trade him he can maybe raise his trade value in these next couple games and show if he puts up like 20 points or something in both or and also for him to get his confidence back up like he's really kind of like he's forcing the issue out there when he goes out there because he knows like I have to put up points this is my role now like he probably sees himself as like a Lou Williams type and I don't think he is that but I I think when you come off the bench (laughs) I think every player thinks they have to be that so hopefully he can kind of rebuild that confidence here yeah, I mean, I, I think of Kuz kind of like as a rhythm guy. You know, he definitely goes through streaks where he feels more comfortable and where he doesn't. And this is this is one of those lulls, right? And we need him to break out of that. I also don't – I don't think it's such a bad thing just to like be forced to experiment with different combinations. Like it just – it gives the Lakers a little bit more lineup data if they are required to play Kuzma with LeBron James a little bit more. I mean, again, not ideal situations. We obviously would want Anthony Davis to be available for all these games. But – you know, coaches and for better or worse, they get stuck into their routines, right? And they don't experiment as much as you would like. And this just forces a little bit of experimentation, which in the long run, I think is helpful. No, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. So the Lakers are playing Dallas for the fourth time this season. Uh, it seems a little bit early to have played them <laughs> four times, but you know, whatever. Uh, 
there was that first game in Dallas, which was instant classic, right? Dwight Howard screening Seth Curry to get Danny Green that three to tie the game. And then the Mavericks blew out the Lakers in Los Angeles. And then a few weeks later, the Lakers responded with, I think, one of their better wins of the season. Uh, Played a lot of zone, ended up shutting down that Dallas offense, and took the edge in the season series 2-1. I don't know about you, Alex, but I get a lot of PTSD thinking about the last time the Lakers played Dallas in the playoffs in 2011. (laughs) And just ever since then, I've been very, very anti-Mavericks. So (laughs) what is it about this matchup that you think is so challenging for the Lakers? And they still have J.J. Brea, so that definitely yeah. helps bring back those memories. But um, I think whenever you go in, I, I mean, I honestly would love to see this series just like as a basketball mm-hmm. fan, because I think like a seven-game series or who, you know how many games it is of Luka versus LeBron, that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Dallas has, like you said, KP, like he, he can space the floor. They have like their front court can space the floor. And I, I'm not sure how much we've seen the Lakers face teams who have these kind of floor spacers from their big men and i'm Mm kind of interested to see how they defend that in a seven game series especially if you go you know traditional five with like a mcgee or dwight howard out there and you kind of take them out of the paint and have to guard some of their bigs out there but and dallas also has a really good bench like their bench has been fantastic this year and i think that's Mm -hmm. one of the lakers kind of weak spots so usually their bench can just pour on points while the Lakers kind of struggle. So there's some interesting kind of wrinkles to this matchup that I think kind of presents some issues for the Lakers. But at the same time, I'm not sure if Dallas can defend LeBron or AD consistently to, to win the series. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, uh, I think you can basically say, I don't think NBA team X can defend LeBron or Anthony Davis. (laughs) Other than maybe the Clippers, but you know, I feel like I bring up the Clippers too often. So it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, if the Lakers are without Anthony Davis, do you see any opportunity for them to like maybe get Devontae Kaycock some run? Or do you think that Vogel will just sort of consolidate the existing rotation? I'm guessing they call him up. I, I was like kind of how they just called up THT for insurance. I, I would assume mm-hmm. they call up uh, Devontae and just to have him there just in case. But yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be like a McGee. Uh, Dwight kind of rotation maybe go kind of small like I don't know like if you throw Dudley in there or something I like I who do they play they play Dallas and who do they play after that Oklahoma City Oklahoma City oh okay so they might need a little more size against Steven Adams and Noel but um yeah I mean I, I think they'd probably stick with McGee and Howard here they probably call up Devontae just to give them insurance in case they need mm-hmm. him and he's another guy who I think has been really good with South Bay and like watching him during practice like he just destroyed everyone who tried to guard him <laughs> so um he reminds me a lot of uh Tarek black and how he okay. used to play so I-, I would love to see him get a little bit of a look like he's really raw still he's really young he he's not the greatest defender at all but he brings mm-hmm. a ton of energy and i think that bench really lacks energy a lot of times so when they come in they kind of blow leads and they just really look lackadaisical out there so He's a guy I, I wouldn't mind them taking another look at. Yeah, I had thought that Kaycock might get some burn when they had that road trip, you know, with Kuzma out and AD sitting out that came against Indiana. I thought the Pacers were kind of a perfect matchup for him because they play essentially two centers in their starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a little disappointing that he hasn't been able to earn any NBA time yet. Um, but you think Kaycock makes more sense to call up than like Kostas for the weekend? 
uh, in ter- in terms of actually helping, yeah. Like I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think he does offer something that they need with AD out, just another body out there. He's a good rebounder. He, like I said, he brings energy, and I think that's something mm-hmm. this team will need with no AD out there because he's been their kind of defensive like anchor, and I think they need someone to kind of jumpstart the defense. And I'm curious to see how they play without AD defensively. They played really well um, against Indiana. I thought defensively, they at least tried and look locked in for most of that game, even though they lost. But I think they battled, and I, I want to see something similar here. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought that Indiana game was like a really good effort by the Lakers. It just came up like one or two possessions short, which happens, you know. Um, but I'm really interested in what this weekend looks like. I I was really excited for it before Anthony Davis got hurt just because, like we mentioned earlier, Dallas is such an interesting opponent. And then Oklahoma City has been playing so well recently. Yeah. This three-guard lineup they run with – Chris Paul and Schroeder and Shea Gildas Alexander is just gangbusters yeah. right now. Um, the Lakers have never really found a way to defend Chris Paul adequately. And him and LeBron going up against each other is just, it's always uh, interesting to watch for lack of a better word. I, I'm I'm still kind of just blown away by Oklahoma City in general. Like what's going on over there? That story is just insane to me and, I don't know what they're going to do, but yeah, another three guard lineup. And that's kind of always been the Lakers Achilles heel. Like they struggle to guard these guards. And I think Schroeder had a massive game against them last time they played. And um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they play them. If they don't have Anthony Davis back there to, to guard the paint, if that, those guards get, you know, dribble penetrate to the paint and get layups mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that's, these are going to be some really tough games for them. Yeah. I mean, I think the Lakers have like a, a relatively easy schedule going forward uh, just in terms of like the whole arc of the season. But this is a stretch where it's pretty tough. Uh, they go on a, a bit of a national TV swing in the middle of January where they get some high profile opponents. I think Boston and Houston and Philly are all on the docket and the Lakers haven't played any of those teams yet. Uh, all of whom I think before the season started, you would consider to be contenders. So uh, not not exactly the best time for Anthony Davis to be less than his best self. No, and I, I really was looking forward to that Philadelphia game to see just massive front court versus a massive front court. So mm-hmm. I, I really hope AD's back at least by then, hopefully. You know, Alex uh, Padilla asked me this question the other day. Do you think there's ever going to be an opportunity for JaVale and Dwight to take the court together? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks to like the... Uh, I, I can't even remember who it was, but Luke Walton started in a Minnesota game. I think it was a year yep. or two ago. It was last year. Yeah. Who was it? It was like uh, Bogut. It was Zubat and McGee. I oh, think Zubat. together. Oh God. So yeah, I'm just getting kind of flashbacks <laughs> to that. But um, I would hope not. Like I'm not sure why they would need to do that. Um, and Kate, unless there's some type of Cleveland type game where everyone fouls out or gets injured and <laughs> something like that. But um. Uh, no, I don't. I would. I wouldn't see a situation where that happens. I mean, do you? Like, no, I mean, other than the fact that Dwight and McGee are our best percentage three point shooters, I <laughs> can't imagine why you'd want them on the floor together. Like, like Philly does offer an interesting matchup that that, like I said, I was really excited to see because they have mm-hmm. MB, they have Horford, they have Simmons. Like, it's a huge, huge team. So I think that, like, that was the biggest. Uh, I, I like when Dwight was first kind of rumored to sign with the Lakers. I kind of mm-hmm. had to go back and dig into data to see how he defended Embiid. Like maybe there was a reason why they want Dwight Howard, and he's done actually mm-hmm. a pretty good job in Embiid in the past in terms of like the matchup data, which is kind of flawed though. But 
right. I, I, I do want to see how valuable having multiple bigs are against a team like Philadelphia, who could definitely be a, a potential finals preview. And I, I they're definitely going to be a team who relies on their bigs a lot, like the Lakers do, and, and lives in the paint like the Lakers do. So that's just an interesting matchup we haven't really been able to see this year. Yeah, and I think uh, you also wrote about this earlier this year, like just one of the defining elements of the Lakers' identity this year is just how they make you feel their size, mm-hmm. you know? And like obviously losing Anthony Davis matters for a whole mess of reasons, but just Kyle Kuzma isn't imposing from a physical perspective the same way that Anthony Davis is, like setting aside all of their talents, obviously. Uh, it just It just looks different, right? And there's some value in having long arms everywhere on the court and – being able to just overwhelm your opponents with being big, you know, and taking that away just takes away a core part of what the Lakers do. It just turns them into LeBron plus randos, which not a terrible combination, but not what the Lakers were trying to build. Yeah. It's an interesting, uh, I'm not sure if it was by, by choice or by decision. And it was like a deliberate thing here to go completely big in an era where everyone goes small, but like mm-hmm. we saw, Philadelphia went that way. The Lakers went that way. Um, I'm sure there's other teams like Milwaukee, like getting Robin Lopez also to, to match up mm-hmm. with Brook and stuff like that. So it is kind of a weird, not weird, but interesting way that some teams are starting to kind of combat going small by just going jumbo and this really big front courts and physical and length and stuff like that. So I'm not sure there's another team but Philadelphia, who can kind of match up with the Lakers in that way. So I, I'm curious if the Lakers go small to combat that, or are they just trying to go like Godzilla versus Godzilla and just kind of fight the <laughs> size that way. So I, I'll be interested to see how Vogel handles that. Yeah, what's interesting is like Anthony Davis is also the team's like best or second best wing defender. <laughs> so it's a good point. Like I, I mean, the, against the Clippers, they would I think they had him on Kawhi right for a few possessions. Right. So yeah, like does yeah it's uh, yeah now i'm thinking more about this matchup it's interesting who ad would guard here i'm guessing maybe simmons or i and just let him kind of leave him open from three and kind of sag into the paint to help out any kind of weak side drives or something and let yeah i mean uh, yeah who guards there so i'm guessing dwight or mcgee but yeah they do offer interesting matchups for the lakers for sure yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that stretch because uh, it's just, I feel like we've gone through so much of the season and yet I still have so many questions about this Lakers team. Like, obviously we've seen the matchup against the Clippers twice and, you know, now four times almost against the Mavericks, but there's still a lot of data points that have yet to be resolved here. <laughs> and we're hitting a stretch where we're going to get get some answers. Yeah, like we haven't really even seen like Troy Daniels or Quinn Cook play at all. For a good mm-hmm. reason, but like, uh, sure. yeah, and those were guys were kind of the first few signings that this team made with Dudley. So, um, like, I'm not even sure what they can offer, if anything, or if they're just completely out of the rotation. So there's a lot of combinations, like you mentioned earlier, and data points and lineup data that we still aren't completely sure how real some things are, how, you know, what actually would work or not. So, yeah, like maybe now with AD being out, they can get a little weird and experiment and see if they could uh, unlock something. Yeah, it's strange for a for a team that fancies itself a championship contender like the Lakers. There's a lot of dead weight at the end of the roster. Uh, I feel like they could have done a better job of maximizing those spots. 
who knows, maybe maybe Darren Collison will come in and save us. <laughs> yeah, even but yeah, you bring up a good point. Then like, what happens with Daniels and Cook? Did they just mm-hmm. waive those guys? I mean, I, I Cook has like a two year deal, I believe, and uh, yeah, it's only one million guaranteed for next okay. year, so it's not terrible. Yeah, yeah, like I like I did. I think we a lot of us kind of complimented their off season and their approach with all these shooters, but at the same time, they're very one dimensional players, and if they're not shooting, then they're basically offering nothing else on the floor. So yeah, like they definitely could have done a little better getting a little more well-balanced players and guys who can offer something more than one single skill. But thankfully, KCP is just turned into an inferno and making everything <laughs> and kind of covering up all those weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, I was not as excited as Rob Polinka when the Lakers signed him in the summer of 2017, <laughs> but I might have been like second most. Uh, I really liked the theory of KCP in Detroit and when he's, when he's on, like there are very few players I'd rather have at the one or two than KCP. So yeah, it's, it's been a boon for the Lakers. Definitely that he has been like a reasonable facsimile of Danny green in terms of offensive production. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely anyway, been one of the, any, the bright spots in the season for sure. Yeah. Any last thoughts you have before we uh, call it for today? Um, not really. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. No, I think that's about it. I mean, uh, like I said, I just there's over the next two weeks, there's just some really interesting matchups for the Lakers coming up. Hopefully, this Anthony Davis situation resolves itself. Uh, you know, he's just he's just one of those guys who tends to get nicked up a little bit more. You know, mm-hmm. LeBron James is a cyborg; can't expect all superstars to behave like him. <laughs> so, if AD misses a few games here or there, it happens, right? Yeah, and then maybe this is a chance to let him you know, rest or get load, you know, load management without saying load management and just kind of let him catch his breath and get a few games where he can kind of sit out and get healthy. And I'm kind of hoping they find a stretch where LeBron can also do that because LeBron is just kind of soaking up a lot of usage and a lot of minutes and playing when he's sick. And I just kind of hope they don't go full Clippers in in terms of their load management approach, but also Mm -hmm. realize that they're going to need these guys in the playoffs because, if anything happens to LeBron, oh God, like, I don't know who else creates for this team. No, that that's it. If anything happens to LeBron, we turn the page to next season. <laughs> so. But anyway, for now, LeBron James, leading vote getter among the Western Conference All-Stars, Lakers' best record in the Western Conference. Not a terrible place to be. No, and we can nitpick all we want, but at the end of the day, like, what are they, 30 and 7 or something like that? So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a okay. pretty good spot. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining the show today, Alex. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Alex M. Regla, and his stuff is on Silver Screen Roll. Excellent, excellent Lakers content. And have a nice weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah.